Hey guys, just before we start the episode, I just want to put kind of a disclaimer uh, for this episode. So I have a guest on my episode today, but uh, I am on FaceTime with my guest, which means the audio for her side is not going to be very great. So I apologize if it annoys you. I tried my best to uh, fix the audio so that she'd sound better. Um, I hope it doesn't bother you guys too much. Uh, let's get into the episode. Hey guys, just before we get started, I wanted to kind of put a swear warning because I realize I do in fact swear a lot and I just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh, you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child. And also I'd like to say, uh, sorry mom, (laughs) let's get started with the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Long Mason Rain podcast. I'm Aiden, I'm your host for this podcast. Guys... We have a very special guest coming today on this podcast. Can you guess who it is? <gasps> it's Ju- it's Julia. Julia, say hello to the people. Hi. She is. I am on FaceTime with her right now because we are not in the same province. So this is interesting. So, Julia, welcome to the podcast. Are you happy to be here? <laughs> I'm so happy to have you. I've been wanting to have you on this podcast for quite a while. And, you know, I mention you a lot on here, so I feel like the people know who you are. Uh, Even if you don't know that, because you you don't listen. (laughs) Um, So basically what we're going to be doing today is I'm going to tell you a story about uh, Catherine Medici. You probably haven't heard of her before. I don't think we were in the same history class where we talked about her. Were were you in that history class? (laughs) Um, I was in your grade 10 history class. So, no, then. Um, so, Catherine de' Medici, she was, uh, born in Florence. Uh, she's from Italy, and she went on to become Queen of France, and she's got a bit of a bad rap as Queen of France. She's very villainized in history, but I don't think that's actually the case. I don't think people, uh really think about where she came from, the experiences uh, that she went through, and I think we're going to be judge and jury about Catherine today, so are you excited to hear the story? Alrighty, I'm ready. Alright, let's get into it. Alright, so Catherine de' Medici was born on April 13th, 1519 in Florence, Italy, to Lorenzo de' Medici, who was Duke of Urbano. I don't know what that means, but he was Duke of something. Um, and uh, his wife, Madeleine de la Tour de Vange, she was French. Sounds like a very French name, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. All right, so of course her being born on April 13th makes her an Aries, and I talk a lot about astrological signs in reference to the women I talk about, especially if we know their birthday. And uh, we, I think we both know that Aries are very resilient people, and they are also known for the temper because they're fire signs along with Leos and Sagittarius's. Uh, Not to mention they can be super controlling, and I kind of think that's Kathy down to a T. Uh, If you know anything about her, then you know what I'm talking about. Obviously you don't, but you're going to (laughs) learn. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's talk about Kathy's family, because she was born into a very impressive background. She was born into the Medici family, because that's her last name, uh, of Florence, and they were rolling in money, Julia. They were rolling. They were dripping in jewels, eleganza. <laughs> wow. 
And the weird thing about them is that their family was from completely common or- origins. Like, they were, they were basically peasants off the street at one point. So, they started out as merchants in the 15th century. So, like, people who sold things, if you know what a merchant is. And um, at the time they were doing that, the merchant class was a rising middle class group of people. And then the Medici started a bank. And their wealth, like, skyrocketed, and they basically bought their way to power. Like, they weren't born to it, they bought their way to being royals. Like, it's very, very impressive. They were, they were like the original mobsters. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) And, uh, Kathy's dad, Lorenzo, while he never made a very large impact on... Sorry, what was that? said you gotta respect the hustle yeah i know they were they were hustling um sorry catherine's dad never really made a large impact on the medici family like he wasn't one of their like most famous people in the family but he was apparently a very impressive like diplomat and kathy's mom on the other hand was actually of noble blood uh she was uh the french daughter of the count de Avange, and her marriage to kathy's father lorenzo was arranged because the king of france had like this hard-on for italy for some reason and uh lorenzo's (laughs) yeah i know and lorenzo's uncle also named lorenzo (laughs) i feel like you would not have used the word hard-on pre-being friends with me yeah i know (laughs) so lorenzo's uncle yeah. So Lorenzo's uncle, also named Lorenzo, uh, who was actually Pope at the time, agreed to help the King of France uh, with his like interest in Italy if he would marry uh, his cousin Madeline to his nephew. So uh, when Kathy was born in 1519, she was her parents' first baby, and her parents were absolutely ecstatic when she was born. They were almost as happy as if she had been a boy, which is very rare in this time period. <laughs> Since, you know, boys were always preferred. And they were a happy little family for a while until, dun-dun-dun, both of Kathy's parents were dead before she was two months old. (laughs) Yeah, so, I know, right? So, basically what happened, her mom very likely died from the plague. Sorry, what was that? Basically, her mom probably died from the plague, yes, Um, and her dad either died from tuberculosis or syphilis. I found that he might have died from both, one or the other, or both, Uh, but we don't know. Uh, (laughs) So, at first, uh, no one really had any idea what they were going to do with Catherine, since she had no family. Now, the French king wanted Kathy to come and live with him at French court, but Pope Leo, who was her granduncle, who I just mentioned, uh, arranged the marriage of her parents, yeah. had a different plan for her. Since he was her closest male rel- relative, he technically had wardship over her, so he decided to, at first, send her to her grandmother, Alfonsina. Uh, but guess what happened to Alfonsina? <laughs> She died. She did. She did die. I knew it. And, you know, while while I was writing this script, I was kind of thinking it was, like, creepy, like, how many people died so early in her life, considering she was born on the 13th, which is a very unlucky number, as you know, I am also born on the 13th. It's like almost, if you touch this baby, you just drop dead. (laughs) 
So, after that... Yeah, that could be a conspiracy theory, couldn't it? Alright, so after her grandmother died, her aunt Clarice Medici took her in instead, because that was pretty much the last place she had to go. And yeah. uh, it was it was good there for her for like quite a couple of years. She had her cousins for company, and she was in Florence in the middle of the Renaissance. Like, can you imagine how awesome that must have been? <laughs> oh, all the art. All the art and the culture and uh and she's rich as hell. <laughs> Hell, I'd love to be rich as hell in Italy. <laughs> um, so, so oh, that's a goal. Yes, it's it's goals. Um, so her life there was like pretty cool for quite a while, but then her grand uncle Pope Leo unfortunately died. But lucky for Catherine, the next pope who ended up becoming pope was also a Medici, so she still had that papal protection. Uh, and Pope Clement decided to set her up in her own household. Uh, so she basically got her own house before she was 10. <laughs> just about to ask, so like how old was she at this point? She was, pro- she was anywhere between about 10 or 5. <laughs> Holy shit, what? And uh, the... Why are they taking care of themselves? Yeah, I know. Well, she had a household looking after her, but she owned the house technically. And uh, while she was at her new residence, she ended up getting the nickname the Little Duchess because her father's title of Duke of Urbano hadn't gotten passed to her. It had actually been wrongly taken away from her and given to her half-brother, and people were very, very pissed about that on her behalf. (laughs) Yeah. Alright, so in 1527, a rebellion ended up breaking out against the Medici family in Florence because Mr. Pope Clement was making people mad. He was pissing people off. Mm-hmm. So, uh... Times? A- yes. And a mob, this angry mob, stormed the place where she was living and Kathy ended up getting captured by the rebels. And, oh. yeah, um... <laughs> And, unfortunately, Mr. Pope had to do something about this. He had a war in his hands with the King of Spain, so he couldn't really do anything. Like, he was occupied fighting Spain at the moment. So, what the rebels decided to do was place Catherine in a convent so she could hang out with some nuns. (laughs) And she... Yep, and she ended up spending the next three years, from the ages of 8 to 11, being held hostage. Uh, no, by the rebels. They just no, put her in a, no, convent. in a convent. They put her in a convent to kind of, like, keep her safe so that they knew where she was. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, uh, it's actually believed in this convent is where she got a lot of her education because up until that point she hadn't really been that uh, educated. Like, nuns were probably one of the most educated people in the world because, you know, you have to learn how to read to read the Bible. Um <laughs> So, the nuns probably taught her some stuff. Nothing too fancy. She got a governess after she got out. Spoiler alert, she does get out. So, in 1529, luck looked like it was on Kathy's side. King Charles of Spain was actually on his way to help take Florence back. And and in return, the Pope was supposed to crown him Holy Roman Roman Emperor, I'm sorry, uh, for his help. That's quite a reward. Yeah, so I I can't tell you what Holy Roman Emperor is because I don't know what it means. <laughs> it sounds like a fancy title. Yes, I. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. 
Um, now, the people who probably listen to this podcast, if they listen to the Catherine of Aragon episode, would probably know exactly who Charles is because he's Catherine of Aragon's nephew. And also another lady I did, Isabella of Castile's grandson. Now, when Charles started a siege on the city of Florence, many of the rebels were like, oh, fuck, what do we do? He's going to get in here. We need to get rid of Kathy, like, now. (laughs) So, uh, before Charles was able to get in, would you like to hear some of the suggestions that the rebels had for disposing of 11-year-old Catherine de' Medici? Sure. Uh, So, one of their first suggestions was that they strip her naked and chain her to the city walls. Okay, that's, that's an interesting one. Uh, yeah, and another person ended up suggesting that they hand her over to a military brothel. Okay. Keep in mind, she is 11. <laughs> what is this, this new Netflix movie? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know, oh my god. So, uh, that, that was their plan, but... Thank God. Hashtag thoughts and prayers. Um, in the summer of 1530, Charles got the city and Kathy was free from the rebels. And uh, Kathy ended up getting sent to Rome where her relative, Pope Clement, uh, greeted her. And this is so cute. I read this story that he got down like on his knees at the end of the hall and little 11-year-old Catherine just ran into his arms and they were crying. Aww. I just can't imagine I how. Holy shit. Yeah, I mean, she was held hostage for three years, and they were going to murder her if they hadn't gotten there. So I'm just really. <laughs> At 11! <laughs> so the great news is that she is safe, and Clement started to realize that he needed to get Catherine some protection because she was just too vulnerable. So he decided it's, it is time to wife her up. And figure out getting husband for her. So that is where she is headed. I need to get her a husband. That's what I need. Yes, so let's find her husband. Now, Kathy was actually a very attractive commodity on the marriage market, but not really in terms of looks. (laughs) I think... I know this is rude, but and really shallow, but according to what I've read, and according to the portraits I have seen of her, she was not really thought of as pretty. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a pretty portrait from from that time period. Like You're... everyone pretty much looked like a like a walking corpse? I don't know. Okay, let me explain to you what we know that she looked like. Now, she had red hair, apparently very nice skin. She was pretty thin, but the one thing that just kind of made her very unattractive in her time period was these bug eyes. Like, she had, like, really, like, eyes. (laughs) And it wasn't really her fault, because apparently it was, like, a Medici family trait, that they had yeah. these eyes, and unfortunately, she un- inherited those un- that unfortunate feature. Um, but despite her questionable attractiveness, uh, many eligible men started lining up because a she was loaded, um, and rich. yeah, she was rich, and b she was a ward and relative of one of the most powerful men in Catholicism, and everyone wanted to be buddy-buddy with the Pope. So men just started lining up. If, if you've got connections, you don't need to be pretty. No. 
So, men just started lining up with some questionable ulterior motives. Uh, one marriage that they really considered for Catherine was uh, the mar- a marriage to James V of Scotland. Um, this actually wouldn't have been a terrible match for her. He was about seven years older than her. She would have been about 13 at the time that they were discussing this, which isn't terrible. She could have been married to a 50-year-old. <laughs> That's true. Plus, he's got a Scottish accent, so... Yeah, I'm sure that was hot. It helps. (laughs) But uh, the marriage ended up falling through because they were like, eh, Scotland, it's not really that impressive. We should look around somewhere else. Um, So the king of France came a-knockin' and he was like, hey, how about my second son, Henry, Duke of Orleans? And as much as marrying the second son of the King of France is a bit of a downgrade, marrying into the French royal family is a bit of an upgrade, and it was an absolute score for the French King Francis. She was loaded. (laughs) And um, obviously, uh, he wanted to be friends with the Pope, so uh, Clement was like, sold! (laughs) (laughs) And in 1533, Catherine was sent to French court to get married. And on September 1st, Catherine left Florence and traveled to the town of Marcel. I don't think I'm pronouncing that right. All those French classes didn't prepare me for this. (laughs) No. No. Uh, She was sent to Marcel. No. Uh, Where she ended up meeting her future husband for the first time. Now that he is here, let's get to know the groom. So... Yeah. So Henry was Francis' second-born son. He was also born in 1519, which means they're the same age. Yes! That's a rare rare thing. Yeah, that's a rare occurrence for this time period. Mm -hmm. I think. I'm guessing from, like, shit that you've told me. Yes, you're absolutely right. This is, like, a very rare commodity that, like, women actually get to marry men their age. Um... (laughs) Now, since Henry was a second son, he was never really expected to amount to much, but that doesn't mean his life was uneventful before this. It's so, it's just so funny the way that they, like, thought about things. They're like, hey, you're number two, so, like... He's he's just the spare. No one really expects anything from little Henry. (laughs) Unless your brother dies, like, you're good to just... Go fuck off and do whatever. Oh, honey, wait. Now, when Henry was born, his dad, Francis, was in this, like, ridiculous conflict called the Italian Wars. For some reason, I don't know why, Francis really wanted to be king of Naples. (laughs) I don't know. I couldn't find out why he wanted to be king of Naples. I don't even know if he had a claim to the throne. But I bet it was just some dick measuring contest because that really describes Francis's character. <laughs> Everything's a dick measuring contest, man. <laughs> anyway, Francis ended up uh, losing a battle at one point when Henry was very young. Uh, and guess. Contest? Yes. Um. And when Francis lost this battle, he lost it to none other than King Charles of Spain and the Holy Roman Emperor guy who saved Catherine. Uh (laughs) And Charles decided to keep Francis prisoner. And after some negotiating, a new trade was made where Charles agreed to let Francis go home. In exchange, Francis had to give up both his sons, 
And Francis was clearly desperate because he agreed to this and sent his tiny children away. And poor Henry and his brother were held for four years in Spain. Oh, my God. And, you know, at first, it was nice. They had nice conditions. They were held in a palace. They had servants. But whenever Francis made a misstep or didn't adhere to the deal he made with Charles, the boys were treated worse and worse until they were finally put in, like, a dungeon. Uh, But after a couple years, Charles eventually let the boys go. And when Henry was released, when he was, like, he was, like, 13... When he finally got released, he was never the same. Like, his time in captivity, like, really screwed him up. Like, he was a happy, go-lucky, bright kid. But when he came home, he was just introverted and moody. Like, I feel bad for him. Yeah. You got that. Plus, now he's a teenage boy. (laughs) Yes. So, that's a bit of a mess. And... One of the worst thing is immediately after he got home, his father pushed him into a marriage with Catherine. Yeah. And remember the remember both of them were fourteen. I feel really bad for this guy. Y- you might not in a bit. Just wait. <laughs> I, I, I feel bad for the way he grew up. Uh, yes. Because his dad, his dad wanted to play a game of does this throne make my dick look bigger? <laughs> That's good. That's good. No, uh, they were also very different people. Catherine was social and cultured, and Henry was moody and introverted after being locked up. He just didn't want to get married. Now, during their... He's a teen... Yes, he is a teenager. Um, so during their uh, wedding, a huge ball was thrown for them. Henry jousted and danced for Catherine. He just kind of played the part because, like, he didn't want to, I don't really think he wanted to be mean to her at first. Uh, he introduced her around to all the people at the party. He's being like, hi, have you met my wife? Hi, this is Catherine. Have you met my wife? Um, <laughs> and, uh, Pope Clement, uh, came to the wedding, which was rare for the time because usually, uh, close relatives didn't go to weddings and he married them himself because he was the pope um wait for this wait for this fucked up story i'm about to tell you so after the party the (laughs) after the party the two 14 year olds left their wedding ball to uh consummate their marriage now this would be okay normally but the thing is uh when they went to uh do the deed uh Henry's dad, Francis, stayed in the room while they had sex. Oh, you told me about this. I did, that yes. Disgusting. And, disgusting. and like, this was a thing that they did back, back then. Like, it wasn't uncommon, but it was a lot more normal for them to just leave the kids alone while they did the thing. But Francis was like, I mean, no. Yeah. Francis was like, no, I want to make sure this contract is, like, sealed. Because they had to have sex for this to work. And he noted after, I have this quote from him after, that said, that he said that they both showed valor in the joust. (laughs) I hate, I hate Francis so much. Ew. Okay. (laughs) Anyway. Francis. Yes. Um, I can't imagine how fucking embarrassing this must have been for Catherine. I mean, she is almost... Uh, well, it's sure as hell a mood killer. Your 
father-in-law's in the in the corner watching. Yeah, and also she's almost. I don't, I don't see how you could get down to business. No, she's also almost definitely a virgin. This is her first time having sex, and she has to do it in front of her father-in-law. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, after that, Catherine was officially the Duchess of Orleans because that was her new husband's title. Now, their first year of marriage was a little bit complicated. She didn't really see much of Henry because he spent a lot of his time traveling around. So Catherine decided to just, like, ma- make her own social life while Henry was gone. So she ended up uh, spending a lot of time with the ladies of her court who were actually very impressed with her intelligence and how easily she adapted to fitting in at French court. And she was pretty happy, which is great. But she's about to not be, because um, in 1534, Pope Clement, her only Medici relative, ended up passing away. And uh, the, new, the new Pope was from this other, uh, I think he was a banking family, I'm not quite sure, probably. He was from the Farnese family, and he felt no obliga- obligation to help Catherine. He also refused to pay her dowry, which... Reminds me a lot of Catherine of Aragon's situation, and Francis blamed Catherine for all of it. Hello? What? <laughs> yeah. Like, why? Francis was like, this is your fault. And the court basically shunned her. Not Francis, you dumb bitch. I know. <laughs> How about you pay the goddamn dowry? <laughs> because they were supposed to pay it, and now the popedom, I guess, isn't paying it because... Farnese family has no obligation to pay Catherine's dowry. And the court basically shunned her, not to mention her marriage was a fucking disaster. Henry lost interest in her pretty quick after the wedding, and he began to take a whole bunch of mistresses, like, like right off the bat. And, um... What? Sorry, what was that? He's a 13-year-old fuckboy that had to get married. Yes. Um, And... Even worse, Catherine hadn't had any children yet. It was a few years into their marriage already. They had no kids, and they were like, what's going on here? And when Henry had one of his mistresses, he ended up getting one of them pregnant, and they had a girl, uh, and this was a problem for a lot of reasons because it proved Henry could have kids, so it was clearly Catherine's fault. And according to the court in uh 1536 uh the pressure for Catherine to start having kids was became very a very bad situation because Henry's brother died <laughs> oh so the pressure was yeah yeah so the story of uh little Francis dying cuz Henry's brother was named Francis um it's a very strange story how he died. So he was playing tennis, and he got, like, really sick for some reason after tennis, and he just died. Just have, like, really bad heat stroke. We don't know. Some, some people say it was poison. We don't know, because he had been, yeah. he'd been perfectly healthy, like, his whole life, so, like, no one could understand why he just suddenly dropped dead out of nowhere. Who knows? Um, A member of Catherine's household actually ended up becoming a prime suspect, and he admitted to killing the Dauphine under torture. And uh, King Francis was like, okay, good enough for me, and had the guy drawn and quartered and murdered. (laughs) Now, 
like I said, this was a problem because Catherine was the future queen. She needed to start having babies like fast, like right now. And yeah. n- nothing was working. So Kath- Kathy started to get a little desperate and she started to try all these weird remedies to try and get pregnant. You're good. This is this is some witch shit. So like get ready for oh, this. I'm so yeah, so she, basically one thing she tried was she tried to she took cow poop and ground oh, up God. ground up antlers and she put them in wrapped it up in a piece of cloth and sticked it up stuck it up her and Yes, so she tried that, didn't work. She also tried drinking mule's urine, because apparently that was supposed to work. (laughs) Oh, honey bun. And it just wasn't working. And I even read Francis started discussing the idea of Henry and Catherine getting a divorce. Because, like, she's not making babies. What's she useful for? So they they were going to do that. Uh, So as a last resort, they decided to consult a doctor to see if it could help Henry and Catherine start having kids. And the doctor ended up noticing that Henry and Catherine had some uh, deformities on their... Um, So he told them uh, that if they maybe tried doing it in different positions, that their problem would be solved. And guess what? They did it in a different position, and Catherine got pregnant, like, instantly after 10 years of marriage. And on the 19th of January, 1544, Catherine gave birth to a healthy baby boy. (laughs) And they named him Francis, because of course they did. And after that, the babies just kept on coming, like, bam, 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 bam. There was Elizabeth, then Claude, Louis, Charles, Henry, Margaret, Hercules, and uh, the last children... Yeah, I know. And the last children that they had in 1556 uh, were twins, Joan and Victoria, but that was a really bad birth for Catherine. Like, it was so traumatic. Like, she literally died, o- almost died. So uh, the doctors basically told Catherine, like, after after yeah, those... She's had that many kids, and then they have twins? Yeah, she had twins, like, right at the end, and uh, after that traumatic birth, the doctors basically told Catherine that her and Henry should just, like, quit having sex, because she, if she had another pregnancy, she was probably going to die. Because there's no control. Yes. Now, them not having sex anymore at that point was, like, fine and dandy for Henry, because he, he, he only had sex with her out of, like, duty to his country to have as many kids as possible. Um, now, even uh, though they, I know, I told you you wouldn't feel bad for him after a minute. Now, even though, uh, they were having babies fast, it didn't really improve their marriage. Henry regularly took mistresses, and there was one that kind of stood out from the rest, and that was a lady named Diane de Poitiers. Now, oh. <coughs> I feel like it would be disrespectful to Catherine to talk about Diane too much in Catherine's story, because I'm going to give Diane her own episode one day, because she was pretty cool. Uh, now, the weird thing about Diane is about how much older she was compared to Henry. Now, when Henry and Diane started sleeping together, Henry was about 19, and Diane was about 39. <laughs> oh. I know. <laughs> now, this is... <laughs> now, this is weird for the time period, because usually it was the other way around with men and women. Um, yeah, I was about to say. 
Yeah, and even back then, like, the contemporaries thought this was a weird relationship. Now, another weird thing about Diana, she also had a lot of political influences. Like, she was, she had a lot more political influence than Catherine. Which is weird, because she's the wife of the guy who's going to take the throne. Now, uh, because of uh, Catherine getting cut off from power at such a young age, it's probably what made her cling to power later in life, but... We'll we'll get to that. And uh, Catherine hated Diane so much. <coughs> Sorry. Um, but oh, Diane... Oh, she's fucking her husband. Yeah. And uh, Diane actually had a very different opinion of Catherine. Diane felt really, really bad for Catherine. And uh, Diane was probably the reason that Henry ended up sleeping with Catherine... Like, all those times that they had kids. Like, Henry was just, like, not interested, but Diane was like, come on, you have to go do it. Just go. <laughs> go have sex with your wife. Please. Uh, but do that- it for your Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm, as much as I don't admire Diane too much for sleeping with a married man, I do admire her a lot for making Henry go sleep with his wife. I'm just glad she wasn't a bitch. Uh, it was really nice of her to help them out, which is cool of her. Alright, so backtracking a little bit from all that stuff with the kids. In, uh, 1547, King Francis died. Now... I'm not quite sure what he died from. It was probably syphilis because he was a bit of a man slut. But (laughs) he was. He was. Anyway. Um, So great news. Catherine and Henry were crowned king and queen of France. But um, I don't really think Catherine was very happy about that because Henry hardly gave her the respect she deserved as queen. Like I talked about with Diane a second ago, he gave all of the political power to Diane because Henry just, like, did not trust Catherine, even in the slightest. (coughs) Sorry. And uh, not just that, but he also gave Diane all his attention. I read this uh, one chronicle that Henry would have Diane sit on his lap during meetings when he was on the throne and uh I know and she would play guitar (laughs) and she would like play guitar in his lap like a little like lute I guess I don't know and uh Henry would like feel her up and like touch her boobs and stuff and Catherine just had to like sit there (laughs) yeah and you know, she was kind of, Catherine was treated with, like, a little bit of respect, like, eh, like, Henry, like, when Henry would, like, go off somewhere, he would leave Catherine as, like, regent, but she, like, didn't have any power, um, and also, if my husband was having some other lady sit in his lap and feeling her up, and he'd he'd have some poison in his next meal. (laughs) And she was also constantly pregnant, which must have sucked because pregnancy sucks. And she yeah. had she had to do it like ten times. So, and uh, one of the biggest slaps in the face that probably ever happened between Henry, Catherine, and Diane is the, okay. So there was this house, <laughs> this chateau okay. called Chateau de something in French that I can't pronounce. Mm-hmm. And Catherine wanted this house, like. <laughs> 
Catherine. If I, if I don't have the accent to pronounce it, I just won't. Yeah. Uh, Catherine really wanted this chateau. She wanted it her, for herself. And guess what Henry did? What did Henry did? Henry gave the chateau to Diane. And, like, I just want to say a personal fuck you to Henry II of France because that was a shit move. Henry knew that yeah. Catherine wanted that chateau, chateau and he gave it to Diane. I hope Henry is rotting in hell. <laughs> anyway. I'd have, to, I'd have to concur with that statement. Yes. Now, uh, despite uh, Catherine's treatment from Henry. She was actually very well respected around court. She was a very cultured queen. She bought a lot of things from Italy uh, that ended up becoming staples in French culture. She is credited with bringing Italian cuisine to France. Uh, she also most likely brought... Yes, Italian cuisine. Uh... <laughs> she might have also brought the custom of eating with a fork to France. I'm not quite sure how true that is. I also believe it's... I don't, I, do, I don't know. I, it's also been accredited to her father-in-law, Francis, so I'm not quite sure who did it first, but someone did it first. Um, Catherine also brought the... Spot. Yeah, because we like her better. Yeah. Um, she also brought side saddle to France, because they didn't do that. Um, she also brought a lot of Italian fashion. She was an absolute fas fashionista, and I know people probably don't think about it, but Italy was the capital of fashion before France ever was. Yeah, for sure. And also, one of her longest-lasting uh, effects on French court was she actually brought ballet to France, and I believe even to this oh, day, nice. they still perform ballets that she loved, which is really cool. Like, they still perform them. Now, in 1548, a year after they got crowned, five-year-old Mary, Queen of Scots, showed up to French court to marry Catherine's oh, son, Francis. Um, she's one of Alexa's favorite historical people ever. You're going to have to tell her when I do an episode of Mary, because I'm going to do one one day. <laughs> sure. All right. So, now... Catherine and Mary's relationship is a little muddled. It's generally accepted that Catherine didn't really like Mary very much, which is kind of true, but I don't really think it had anything to do with Mary personally. It had more to do with how Henry treated Mary versus oh. how Henry treated their children together. Now, Mary was a le legally a queen because she got uh, she became queen when she was, like, a baby. And therefore, yeah. Mary being a queen, she was higher in rank than Catherine's children. And Henry made sure to treat Mary like a queen, and Catherine was like, hey, what about our kids? And Henry was like, hmm, y'all hear something? Because I don't hear anything. <laughs> Again, I, I restate poison. <laughs> poison. No, what I'm trying to say is I don't think Catherine really had a personal vendetta against a little girl for most of this kid's life. Uh, yeah. it, it wasn't anything against Mary. It was because Henry was being a major bitch because Henry was, was a major it bitch. Was her, it was her dumb bitch husband. Yes. Now, I, at this time, obviously her first son Francis had gotten engaged when he was a little kid to marry 
uh, Mary Queen of Scots. And as more and more of Catherine's children were getting older, that of course meant marrying them off. So Catherine's oldest daughter, uh, Elizabeth, uh, was a part of a treaty with the Holy Roman Emperor. Remember him? <laughs> I remember him. Yeah. And he wanted Elizabeth and his... Sorry, what was that? How you could how could you forget the Holy Roman Emperor? So the Holy Roman Emperor wanted uh, Catherine's daughter Elizabeth and uh, his nephew to get married, and they were like, "Cool, that sounds great." So they had a huge party. There were days of fancy dress parties and feasting and jousting, and this is where we get to a bit of a gruesome story in Catherine's life. Now. Mm-hmm. Everyone was having a grand old time celebrating the wedding. Uh, Henry and Henry decided he wanted to take a part in the jousting because it was a sport he liked to do. Okay. And he was doing very, very well until Henry took on this guy named Gabriel de Comp, Duke of Montgomery. And he ended up beating Henry in a joust. And Henry being uh, <laughs> a toxic fuckboy like he is, uh, <laughs> Henry was like, come at me, bro. I want a rematch. And... Gabriel was like, can you give me a dance competition? Yes. And Gabriel was like, uh, no, thank you. You're the king of France. I'm not jousting you again. And Henry was like, well, you're right. I am the king of France. You have to do what I say. So uh, Gabriel was like, all right, fine. So they went at it again. And not only did Henry lose, uh, he was injured very badly. So Gabriel's lance broke. Right. Gabriel's lance broke and it went through Henry's eye. <laughs> oh my god. It probably went into his it probably went into his brain and they were able to remove the splinter from his head. Uh and he didn't die for 10 days. Oh. That's brutal. I don't Serves him right, but serves him right. A little bit. Uh, there was no pain medicine back Car- then. Karma's a- Sorry, say that again? <laughs> I said Karma's a bitch. Karma? Karma didn't hit, I was going to. <laughs> Karma's a bitch. And he died slowly and painfully at the very young age of 40. He was only 40 when he died. Oops, sorry, drink. All right. Now, uh, I, w- I want to be a little sympathetic here because, like, we know about his traumatic childhood, but that doesn't really make up for the fact that he treated Catherine like shit. Um, <laughs> anyway, after that, Catherine went into a deep mourning. She took a broken lance as her emblem, and she wore black for the rest of her life. <coughs> and mean, fashionable. <laughs> very fashionable. Mourning fashion. Um... She, oddly enough, I thought she was Queen of France for a lot longer, but she was only Queen of France for 12 years, which is a lot shorter than I thought she was. Mm-hmm. Now, now that she is Queen Dowager, because her son Francis, he's about 14, 15 at this time, uh, it's time for Cathy to get a little bit of power of her own, so stay tuned for that. Okay, so one of the first things Catherine did as the new queen mother was kick Diane to the curb. (laughs) Get out of here. Yeah, so what she did was she took the chateau away from her for good measure. (laughs) Yeah. It was a little petty, but I mean, what would you do if you were in Catherine's place? I'd be more than petty. 
sure. I, I believe you. Um, now, it took... It took Catherine a very long time to grieve for her husband, even though he was mean to her, like, she still, like, loved him a lot. And that ended up costing her power over her son. Um, because of this, uh, because of these guys called the Guise brothers. Now, the Guise, the Guise family were a very powerful family in France, and they wanted control over the new little baby King Francis, and they also happened to be Mary Queen of Scots' uncles because Mary Queen of Scots' mom was a geese. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, because they were uncles to the new Queen of France, uh, they took that shit to their full advantage. Like, they <laughs> they ran with it. And even though Catherine didn't like them very much, she agreed to work with them because she had no choice. And she cl- yeah. she clashed with them a lot for Agreed is a loose term. Yes. Um she clashed with them a lot. For example, the Guises, they were hard, hardcore Catholics. And uh they went hard on the executions on Protestants uh because the French wars of religion were like just picking up and getting bad. Um and even though uh, Kathy was a Catholic herself, uh, she didn't like the brothers very much, and she also had a little bit of sympathy for the Protestants. So she spoke up many times against the persecutions because even she thought they were a bit harsh. Yeah. Um, unfortunately for Catherine, harsh. yeah, a little harsh. You know, a lot of uh, drawing, quartering, stuff like that. Um, but Francis's reign didn't last very long. He reigned for about a year as a 15-year-old. He ended up getting an ear infection, and he died. <laughs> oh. Now, as much as we'd like to probably make fun of the fact that a 15-year-old got an ear infection and died, um, I've had an ear infection. I got one at the start of quarantine, and I couldn't get a doctor to look at it, and it ended up messing up my hearing. Um, I had one when I was a baby, so. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird now, like, how uh, ear infections are, like, minor inconveniences to us, but, like, this ended up killing Francis. The, the same kind of deal with colds or, like, infected wounds and shit. Yeah, so unfortunately, poor little baby boy Francis ended up dying. Now, Kathy was super sad. That was her first son. She worked so hard to have kids in the first place. Um, yeah. But she made sure with the... Tra- yeah, I know, isn't it? <laughs> now, like I said, Catherine was sad, but she made sure that this time, when power moved over to her other son, Charles, that she would not be wasting any time this time. She wanted to make sure she had full control over her son this time. So, uh, before Francis ended up passing away, she made sure, um, made sure that she would be governor of France, because that's the the position she wanted in the first place, even if Francis had lived, like, 15 more years. Uh, she also had Mary Queen of Scots sent home, (laughs) because, you know, there was nothing left for her in France anyway. Now that Kathy had some real power. Um, she decided to take it to her full advantage. <laughs> and um, her son Charles was about nine. They had unlimited power? Yes. <laughs> yes, she did have unlimited power. Um, now, her son Charles was a nine-year-old, and he was a very clingy little mama's boy. <laughs> yeah. 
I even read poor baby Charles cried at his coronation. Aww. And he had to sit on his mommy's lap when he got coronated because he was too small for the throne. Well, I mean, Kathy really has all the power. Now, during Charles's reign is when she ends up getting her bad reputation. And this is where all the rumors of poison and murder and stuff come up about her. There was this rumor that she had a gang of female spies that would, like, go around telling Catherine about, like, what was going on in court. Like, they'd sleep with, like, nobles and, like, get all the tea for her. That sounds badass. That sounds like the plot of a movie. We have absolutely no idea how true that is, but uh, that was a rumor that was going... It should be made a movie. Yes. Uh, Not to mention she also hired a lot of uh, sorcerers, which was like a pretty common thing that women did back then, which was weird because it was like right next door to witchcraft, I guess. Um, Also pretty badass. Yes. Uh, One of the most famous ones that she ended up hiring was this guy named Nostradamus. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Yeah. You've heard of Nostradamus. Okay, sweet. Um, She she asked him to draw horoscopes for her children, and he ended up predicting that all her sons would become kings and that she would outlive every single one of her children. Now, this turned out to be almost true. Only three of her five sons ended up becoming kings, and she outlived all but two of her children. So, almost? <laughs> wow. And didn't she have, like, ten? Yes. Ten or eleven? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, she had, about, she had about ten kids, but a couple of them died in infancy, and then, like, a couple of them died as adults, but we'll get to that. <gasps> um... Now, little Charles ended up coming of age where he was old enough to rule the country on his own in 1563. So he would have been about 1516? Yeah. And uh, Charles was a little bit lazy. He didn't really like being king very much. So Kathy pretty much had to do any, everything for him, uh, which was fine and dandy with her because that's what she wanted to do. Now, one of the top problems in the country was religious division, because remember, this is only a couple of decades after Henry VIII turned his country upside down over religion, and uh, Protestants and Catholics were kind of ready to murder each other all over Europe, like, they, it was bad, and um, it was getting especially bad in France, and Catherine wanted to settle the dispute because all the fighting was good for absolutely no one, and how do you solve fighting in Renaissance Europe, Julia? (laughs) <laughs> you go to war well that's my guess i didn't take history <laughs> no you you marry people you do more fighting you marry people <laughs> oh you marry people okay so, so cast seems to be the only solutions um ever is more fighting or more marriage yes so catherine had this daughter named oh sorry what <laughs> Which ultimately doesn't work out in their favor usually anyway. Like, yes. These bitches don't learn. No. So, Catherine had this daughter named Margaret, who was her only unmarried daughter, and Catherine had a plan to marry her to this dude named Henry of Navarre, who was a Protestant leader. And Catherine thought, hey, if we bring a Catholic princess and a Protestant prince together, it'll solve all our issues. But there was... That, that, doesn't, that doesn't sound right. But there was a bit of a problem, you 
see, Margaret was a bit of a rebellious child. She was already in love with this guy named Henry of Guise. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yes, uh, who was the son of one of those Guise brothers from earlier. <laughs> And when Catherine found out that, <coughs> sorry, that she was in love with Henry of Guise, she went crazy. <laughs> and Catherine's son Charles was also very upset at Margaret because she was ruining their plans. So uh, Charles, the psychopath that he was, dragged Margaret out of bed one night and beat her senseless, and I believe Catherine was there as well. <laughs> And they beat her senseless until she agreed to the marriage. <laughs> That's terrible. Yes. Um, now that everything was going to plan <laughs> for Catherine, they just had to get Henry of Navarre's mom to agree to the marriage as well. And the Queen of Navarre was a hardcore lady, and she was ignoring Catherine, like, a lot, because she didn't want to deal with this either. So, Catherine decided to kind of, like, try and trick her to get her to, like, come and see her. So, Catherine was like, oh, please come to court. I want to see your kids. And the queen was like, uh, new phone, who dis? <laughs> and when Catherine finally got Henry's mom to agree to come to court, um, the queen, like, got, like, weared down. She was like, fine. They can get married, but as long as my son can remain Protestant, it's fine and dandy. They can get married. So that was all great for everyone. All of Catherine's plans were coming to fruition. She should have tempted her with, um, should have been like, come over. We have Italian food. I'll make you pasta if you come over. I mean, it would work on me. Now, uh, things started going a little off the rails when uh, the Queen of Navarre came back to Paris to buy clothes for her son's wedding. She ended up getting really sick, like, out of nowhere, and she ended up just, like, dropping dead, like, a couple days after. And, of course, the Protestants were like, she did it. She she (laughs) She poisoned the Queen. And apparently what they thought Catherine did was that she poisoned the Queen's gloves. Which, okay. I, how do you poison clothing? I don't, I don't, like. I mean, they did it while enchanted, remember? Like, n- poisons the crown? N- oh, I'm comparing it to fiction. Yes. Uh, but, like, I, I just don't get what Catherine would have gotten out of this. Like, she was, she needed the queen on her side, so I don't think Catherine would have poisoned her. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, let's get into the St. Bartholomew's Day Massacre. Okay. So this is something That's that happened. That's a bit of a mouthful. Yes. Uh, this is the thing that stains Catherine's reputation to this day and why she is very, very villainized in history. So, okay. let's talk about what happened. So, yes. On August 18th, 1572, Catherine's daughter Margaret and Henry of Navarre ended up getting married. All the Protestant nobility showed up for this wedding because they were excited. It was a huge affair. Two people of two religions were getting married. It was a huge party. They had mm-hmm. two separate religious ceremonies for the wedding because obviously Henry was staying Protestant, so they couldn't have just one type of ceremony. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, 
Now, meanwhile, there was this guy named Admiral Colling... <laughs> I'm not pronouncing it right. Calling me? I think it's calling me. He was a very influential Protestant leader in um, Catherine's son's Charles's court, and people were very mad that he was getting so high up in Charles's court because it was a Catholic court. And three days after the wedding, someone tried to shoot him from a okay. window. He didn't die. But he was very wounded, and Catherine and the government agreed to do a full investigation into the attempt on his life. But a lot of people are under the impression that she ordered the hit, which is totally valid. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I totally think the Guise family did it. Like, I'm sure they did it. Because they didn't like Admiral Coligny any more than Catherine did. Now... After the attempt, the Catholic leaders started to get a little nervous about the Protestants attacking them over this. And that's when they came up with the idea to exterminate the Protestant nobility while they were still in Paris for the wedding because people were still partying. Okay. Now, we have no idea if it was Catherine's idea or how much she pushed Charles to agree with this. But to this fucking day, if you Google... Anything about this massacre, Catherine is put at the center of the blame for the massacre. Interesting. Uh-huh. And on August 24th... Ow. Oh, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm playing with an elastic knife and I flicked myself with it by accident. That's cool. <laughs> so on August 24th, Charles gave the order to attack and the bloodshed began. One of the first victims was the calling me a guy. <laughs> Even though he survived an assassination attempt, he got killed. And a lot of he- <laughs> a lot of Henry of Navarre's staff were killed because they were Protestant as well. But he was spared because he was Catherine's son-in-law. Um, yeah. Tons of Protestant homes and shops were pillaged and burned. Bodies were thrown into the Seine River, turning it blood red. Uh, but the killing didn't... Yeah. But the killing didn't stop in Paris. People took the idea of uh, Charles saying, kill them all, really literary, literary, and they started killing Protestants all over France, like it didn't stay in Paris. Oh, man. And things got out of hand, even when Catherine sent out, sent out a decree to stop all the fighting, people still did it. And... After all that, on September 29th, like a month later, Henry of Navarre chose to convert to Catholicism to avoid being killed himself. And we have this story from Henry's conversion to Catholicism that, he- that Catherine apparently turned to some ambassadors and laughed maniacally as Henry converted to Catholicism. Now, I think this is a made-up story, because why would she do that? Um, I think they really just wanted to paint her as some Machiavellian scheming Italian bitch. <laughs> Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, so that happened, and it was horrible. Okay, so skipping ahead a little bit, uh, two years after the massacre, Catherine had a bit of a new crisis on her hand. Uh, her son Charles died, like, really suddenly at the age of 23. Um, he... 
well, he technically had kids. He had a daughter with his wife, but daughters aren't eligible to inherit the throne, so... <laughs> Yeah, France has this dumb thing called Salic Law, where women under no circumstances are allowed to inherit the French throne. Lame. <laughs> and, um... Problematic. Yes. Uh, I also forgot to mention it earlier, but apparently Charles was a little... Like, he was off the rails. And when he was talking about the massacre, like, years later, he would go from, like, being very happy about it, like, proud that he did it, and then he would go and blame it on his mom. <laughs> blame everything on your mommy issues, alright? Yes, and I believe I read a quote uh, from Catherine after Charles died being like, oh, I knew I had a crazy son. <laughs> anyway, uh, Charlie ended up naming her regent. Yes, he was absolutely off his fucking rocker. Now, uh, Charlie ended up naming her regent for the new king, who was her third son, Henry. And as of the time he became king, he was actually chilling in Poland at the time. Oh. Uh, because he had actually been elected king of Poland. And, uh, by the way, I have to mention, Henry was her favorite son, by the way. So, <laughs> this was really great that he was now the king of France. And when uh, Henry found out he was king of France, he was like, "Ah, peace out, bitches, and he ran away from Poland to go to France. (laughs) He dropped his claim. (laughs) And uh, two days after his coronation, he ended up getting secretly married to this lady named Louise de Lorraine, which pissed off Catherine because Louise de Lorraine was not her first choice for Henry. Henry, how dare you? Yeah, she. Else for you. Yeah, like a good political match, like god damn it. Um but right off the bat when Henry became king, there were some rumors that started to spread about Henry's sexuality. <laughs> oh. Now, we don't really know if he was gay. <laughs> he could have been bisexual, he could have been gay, he could have been straight. We don't know. But uh there are some suspicious things that kind of tip off my gaydar. Um <laughs> I read he had this little gang of his that dressed up in costumes and makeup. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but that could mean nothing. People might have just spreading false rumors uh, because him and his wife had no children together. Uh, yeah. we, we don't know. He, he was apparently very flamboyant and very feminine, so that just kind of like tipped a lot of people off at the time. Um, speaking of yeah. children. Which... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. As it, which means, like, absolutely nothing. Flam, flamboyant guys can absolutely be straight, but people are very close-minded back then, I guess, so. Uh, absolutely, but he just, like, tips off like, my gaydar. He just tips off my gaydar a little bit. <laughs> um, speaking of children, Catherine's youngest boy, who was Hercules, uh, he changed his name to Francis, actually, in honor of his older brother when his older brother died. But we're going to call him Hercules because it's confusing and we don't need another Francis in this story. <laughs> we don't need any more Francis's in France. No. Um, now, Hercules was Henry's heir if Henry ended up having no children. And uh, Hercules, as a fourth son, he never expected to have all this power. And he used his new access to power to his full fucking advantage. Um... <laughs> Unlimited power? Yes, unlimited power. Um, 
Hercules, for some reason, was, like, really sympathetic to the Protestants for, like, absolutely no reason, and he went off the rails to join them, like, he, he abandoned Catholicism, and he went to go join the Protestants, because they were a little butthurt about the whole getting murdered thing. <laughs> um, and it resulted... Yeah, they were a little upset about that massacre. I wonder why. Um, (laughs) And it ended up resulting in Catherine and the crown having to agree with almost all of the Protestant demands because Hercules was, like, doing a really good job helping them. Um, A few years later, Hercules ended up dying. I don't know what he died of, but he just died. Um, And uh, because of this... uh, Sorry, what? I didn't read anything, like, suspicious about him dying, but he died relatively young, so, like, who knows. Um, the problem with Hercules dying so suddenly is that Henry was now Catherine's last son. She had no more spare sons. (laughs) No more spares. She had had no more spares. Which, uh, means, guess who was next in line to the throne after Hercules? The spare. No, uh, Henry of Navarre, who was Protestant, but changed to Catholicism. Now, the good news about this was Catherine's daughter was his wife, so Mm -hmm. Catherine had a little bit under control, but Margaret was being the problem child again. Um, Margaret hated being married to Henry Navarre. Like, she hated it. She took lovers a lot and so did her husband they just they didn't like each other um I read some reports of Catherine almost constantly screaming about her like there's some servants that report hearing Catherine screaming at the top of her lungs at her daughter um and Catherine eventually had to send Margaret back to her husband because she didn't want to deal with Margaret. And then a Margaret did some dumb shit and she ran off with some guy (laughs) And Margaret ended up begging Catherine for money while she had run away with this guy. And Catherine only gave her enough money to eat, but no more than that. Um, Mm -hmm. And Margaret just wouldn't go back to Henry. So she decided to have Margaret locked up in a castle and cut out of her will. Oh, okay. And after that point, Margaret and Catherine never saw each other again after this. So... That's a great mother-daughter relationship. Yeah. Um, I, I don't really blame her a lot for this. Margaret wasn't going to listen to her, so, like, what was she supposed to do? But, like, don't lock up your children in castles. It's rude. Um, also, uh, side note about Margaret's lover. Uh, her lover was brutally executed. Oh. <laughs> and apparently Catherine... Wa- so, sorry, what was that? Yeah, Catherine ordered it, and also Catherine wanted uh, him to be executed in front of Margaret, but uh, Henry said no. (laughs) Oh, oh my god. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Now, a little after this, Catherine's influence was starting to wane kind of slowly. Her son Henry, despite being her favorite, was not as easily manipulated as his older brothers had been. Um... Henry was very much his mother's son, and he was trying to keep power to himself. 
Of course, he appreciated his mom's, his mom's advice on stuff, but he wanted to do stuff for himself. After all, he was a grown man. Um, and as Catherine started to get older and older, Henry started to cut off his mother from power. Um, in 1588, no, he... F- that doesn't sound like it went over well. No. In 1588, he fired most of the people in court who supported her, and after that, he did something even worse. Um, he wanted to get rid of the current Duke of Guise. Um, I don't know who he is in relation to those other Guise brothers. I don't know. Um, because he was the last roadblock in Henry's quest for power, because the Duke of Guise was, like, one of the most powerful guys. Um... Catherine knew this was stupid, (laughs) but Henry didn't listen because he's like, I don't want to listen to you, mom. Um, And he, no, and he invited the Duke over for, for like a party. Sorry, what was that? Yes, he's a big boy. Um, So he invited the Duke over for like a party or something. And he had him murdered (laughs) along, not just the Duke of Guise. Oh, no, Henry did not want to stop there. He decided to murder the rest of the Guise family. Oh, so another massacre. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, this was the first time Henry hadn't listened to his mother, and he was going to end up paying the price for it later. I'm going to mention that in a second. Now, Catherine was absolutely devastated and angry that that he had done this, and as she got sicker and sicker... Uh, it it just, like, this destroyed her. She was very, very upset that he had done this. And finally, on the 5th of January, 1589, Catherine died at the age of 69 from a lung infection. Uh And her last words were, I can do no more. Oh, wow. I know. Wouldn't wouldn't you be dramatic if your son just massacred one of the largest, most powerful Catholic families in France? <laughs> I mean, I'd be dramatic anyway, but... Anyway, um, a few months later, Henry ended up paying the price for all the shit that he did, and he was assassinated. Oh? He was, he's at, I believe he's actually one of the first kings of France to be assassinated. Oh, wow. And uh, Henry of Navarre ended up... Sorry, That's what was that? Up record you don't want to set. Yeah, that's a record you do not want to set. Um, that's the first to be assassinated. Yay! Um, so, so uh, Henry of Navarre ended up succeeding onto the throne as Henry uh, IV of France, and he ended up ending three centuries of Valois' rule in France, which was the house that Catherine was a part of as marriage to her husband. Um, Catherine was buried next to her husband, Henry, Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sure, probably her dismay. Yeah, probably to her dismay. Uh, but during the... Oh. Fr- Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Pro- probably to his too. Yeah. Um, but during the French Revolution, her bones, along with the bones of other French kings and queens, were thrown into a mass grave, so unfortunately we don't know where she's buried anymore. Oh. Yes. <laughs> um... So, let's get into legacy for her. We're coming to the end of the episode. She's dead, unfortunately. Um, 
I don't, I don't even really know where to start with her legacy. There's just so much to say about her. I think she was a survivor. She went through the French Wars of Religion. She was an exemplary queen, very uh, good politician, very cultured. She played the Game of Thrones, Italian Machiavelli style, which is so cool. Um, I really respect her drive and ambition, and I, was, I, I loved doing her this week. How do you feel about Catherine at the end of this episode? <laughs> She was one dramatic lady for sure. I told you she was dramatic. <laughs> she she did put up with her husband's shit for a long time. I don't I don't know that I necessarily love the way she treated her kids per se, but it's the fifteen hundreds. I don't know what else to expect. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. I don't think anyone was really the warm fuzzy kind of parent. No, definitely not. Well, uh, Julia, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. I've had a lot of fun here today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thanks for teaching me about some history. No problem. I'd love to have you back on the podcast some other time, too. (laughs) For sure. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. (laughs) Say say bye. Bye. Alright guys, thanks for listening. Uh, if there's a certain thing that you want to hear, just like hit me up on uh, Twitter at Long May She Rain 2. Uh, the N at the end of rain is replaced with a 2, just so you know that. Um, thanks for listening guys, bye!